here on the Beauty and the Beast podcast. We've been really striving to get a variety of different guests, and we've had some interesting people from all walks of life. And Joey was like, you know, I have this friend named Vinnie Curdo, and and I know him from movies, and he's, you know, he's. I think we should get him on. And uh, and so I just got back from snowboarding, and uh, and all this stuff is crazy in my house. Twenty three people here, whatever. And I and I start googling you, and I look at the pictures, and I'm like. Wait a minute! I know this motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, and uh, today our guest is uh, Vinny Curdo, uh, right, a former professional uh, boxer. You know, I didn't realize I know Vinny from the comedy store. Who he was a door guy then, and and now it's like, yeah, I remember you box, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize the extent of it. You know, because I'm just a girl. I'm a dumb girl. Like, uh, I would love for you. Uh, I wish I would have met. I wish I would have met a lot of dumb girls. You know, I've been married six times. I got six wives and seven kids. I was the king of commitment with a with a, with, you know fatherly touch. Yeah. You know I, mean? I wish I would have met some some uh, dumb girls like you say dumb. A lot, a lot of them are not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I've been all the shop ones. <laughs> You've been married six times. Yes. Six wow. times. You walked down the. the oh, well, my first wife Cuban. I have two Cubans' wives. I got a, I got a Cuban son. My first wife. You know, I lived in Miami. And you know when I turned pro with Angel Dundee, I lived in Miami. My first wife was Cuban, and my last wife was Cuban. Uh, married two Cubans, uh, no Italians, uh, Irish, a, Jew, a couple of Jewish guys, ladies, a couple of Jewish ladies, and uh, what else? So you got yeah. How'd you reel those in, Vinny? <laughs> I, ha- I have no idea. I got lucky, okay. You know, it's funny because uh, I was a kid watching television in 1985, like everybody else in this country. I fell in love with Miami Vice. I mean, I wouldn't go out till Miami Vice was finished. It was Crime Story and Miami Vice. And you went out at 10. That's when the Coke dealer showed up at 10. So uh, uh, it's funny that uh, I, I see second episode, episode four of Miami Vice, is uh, Bruce Willis's episode. Uh-huh. And there's this fucking guy, and I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And I didn't know who it was, and the years passed, and you know, you just watch. And it was my favorite episode. You know, in those days, you VCR'd everything and you watched it. And then I, in '94, I was down and out, and my roommate gave me this movie, and it's 29th Street. And I'm watching this movie; it's cracking me up. I'm halfway on Pog, you know. And this guy's in that movie, and I can't figure out who the fuck he is. I seen him, and I didn't know. And I went to the end of the credits. And in those days, there was no fucking computers. I had no computer. There was no IMDb, so it's over. I moved to LA. I become a comedian. I go to the store one night. I'm on stage. There's eight people on a Tuesday night. And there's one guy <laughs> fucking laughing, Vinnie Curdo. And when I get off the stage, he tells me that he's Cuban, half Cuban. His mother was Cuban. And we start talking, and he gets me my first audition. But he also got me my first job in this town, which was a non-union video shoot for fucking John Fogarty. For, oh, really? For Like a Hurricane. The video Like a Hurricane. <laughs> so here I am at home one night. I got a call from Vinnie. This is the Cuban kid? Yeah. What's up? He's like, I got a job for you tomorrow. Eight o'clock downtown in the warehouse. <laughs> the director was the guy from Barbed Wire. We just finished doing the movie with... Uh, with David uh, Hogan. David, David Hogan. Hogan with... Uh, what's the name? With uh, the chick from uh, Baywatch. Oh, Pamela yeah. Anderson. Yeah, Pamela Barbed uh-huh. Wire. You know, uh-huh. so he's, this is my first fucking job. I'm at the comedy store like before <laughs> doing blow with Holtzman. <laughs> and now I'm on the set with Vinnie Curdo, uh, fucking John Fogarty eating lunch. And then uh, the guy who was on the set that was also very interesting was Frank Pesh, Frank who Pesh, also yeah. wrote the movie 29th Street. The yeah. movie was about him. About him, his life. Yeah. Very interesting, about a lottery yeah. ticket. But the story is that that's how I met Vinnie Curdo. Yeah. And I meet him at the store, and I'm fucking in love with this guy. And now it gets to the point in my life where whenever I see Vinnie in an audition, I know it's going to be a fun fucking audition. Yeah. Because we're going <laughs> to yell, scream, not to mention I know he's got my back. Yeah. Because I'm Cuban, so I go to those Italian auditions, and they all look at me weird. But when Vinny's there, we'll fucking get down, motherfuckers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, that's why I was telling you for weeks we had to get him on, because yeah. Vinny is, you know, our, sto- our, our podcast is about second chances in life. Yeah. If anybody's had 19 chances and capitalized yeah. on all of them, it's, it's, it's fucking Vinny. I mean, not only is he a champion, at 44 years old, you became and, a champion? Uh, I, I won the title uh, 41. 40 fucking 41. won. Most guys are in the And what title uh, can World you World Boxing tell? Federation Cruiserweight title. I won in night, September 20th of 1996. <coughs> wow. In Lincoln, Nebraska. I went out there. Yeah, I saw that when I was Googling you. And, it was, and wow. It was amazing. I, um, I'm walking, I'm driving down the street. I'm driving down the street and uh, 
this tall guy with a bunch of kids is yelling and screaming with these kids in the street. So the light changes. They're still in the middle of the street. I start beeping and beeping. They say, hey, buddy, I had to go. He goes, I said, I started to come up and they move that away. And apply. I said, move your ass, right? He, oh, yeah. So all of a sudden I'm driving. A van pulls up to me. Rolls the and it's the guy, right? He goes, you got a big motor. I said, I can back it up. He goes, pull over. Pulled over. Got out of the this guy knew how to fight. I, you know, it shocked me. This guy really knew how to fight. He stopped popping me, boom, boom. He says, that's a jab. I said, I know what that is. He goes, boom, boom, boom. He hits me right in. He goes, that's right. I said, I know what that is. All of a sudden, I start dropping body shots. Zoom, zoom. Right in his eyes, start getting white. I said, those are body shots. You know what those are? Right? <laughs> boom, boom. All of a sudden, he's, he looks nice. He looks like he's going to fall out there. He says, just tell me you quit. Just tell me you quit. He says, I, all right, I got to quit. Those kids are my prisoners. I'm a cop. He said, he goes, you want to, he says, I'm taking them, I'm taking them over to, to, to they would take, he was taking them over to the county jail where they all stopped because something was wrong with the van. They all got out of the van and that's why we're in the middle of the street and they were, he was arguing with a couple of the kids and they were holding me up and I beat the horn and went through. He goes, and if I would have, if I would have made, you know, if I would have let you scare me, he says, you know what they would do? Uh, wow. When I'm driving, he goes, I have to take those kids everywhere. And so I said to him, oh man, I'm sorry, but, when I when I got out of that, I went home. My kids, uh, my, my 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 kids were little. I went home. They didn't even recognize it because my eyes were closed. Because the guy really, you know, popped me good, right? And I says, I'm making a comeback. My wife said, What are you nuts? I said, I just had a. I said, My chin was good. My reflexes were good. My body shots are good. I said, I'm making a comeback, right? And I called up a friend of mine. He says, Yeah, I can get you. Start getting you some fights. And I went on the road and started taking fights. You're gonna hear. Where do you hear this? I go on the road, I'm taking some fights, and I get to my, I, I went two fights in a row, and I get to the third fight, and I'm going to the auditorium. There's a little kid out there with a sign, a poster, and his father, and they, and they look really yeah, poor. I mean, you can just look at them and say, my God, he's poor. And I said, what are you guys doing? He said, oh, Mr. Kerr, we've been waiting for you. Would you sign the poster? I said, absolutely. I said, you're gonna go inside? Oh, we can't afford that. We can only afford to come here for you to sign this. He said, I have two other posters signed. I said, oh, really? Boom, I grabbed them both, put them ringside, right? Then after the fight, I win the fight. After the fight, I give the kid 100 bucks, right? They, they couldn't believe it, right? And that's why I'm driving. I go to the next town, right? I'm fighting a fight. There's a guy that I boxed with his son. His son's a real idiot. Good fighter, but a real idiot. And he and he used to take it. He used the type of guy that I never liked. He used to take advantage of young kids that were trying to train in the gym. He boxed them and really beat them up bad. And so one day in the gym, in front of the father, I said, buddy, slow down. That kid don't have any experience. He goes, you got a big mom, aren't you? I said, oh, I will. I went in and I whooped his, I whooped the floor with his son. I said, I said, I said, how do you like it? I said, those little kids like it. They come in and they want it to be a fighter. I said, you beat the living crap out of them. I said, what are you, nuts? That was it. So my third fight, I'm getting ready to fight. And Jose Suleiman, you know, Jose Suleiman, president of WBC, president of WBC, Says to me, Vinny, every fight he goes. Oh, he goes. I'm gonna. You, you, every fight you have, you have to win. And you gotta, you gotta look. Uh, you gotta look good. He said, but you have to win. He said, at your age, I'm not gonna give you a shot. How old are you at this age? I, I was 41. 41. Okay. Yeah, I was 41. I was almost. Yeah, yeah. I just made 41. I says. He says, the moment you lose any fight, it's over. Don't come to me. Don't talk to me. It's it. We're gonna take you out of the ratings and you retire. You had a good career. I said, okay. So I fight. I, I, I go to this town, and who's there, right? That guy and his, and, and his father. And I'm, I, I'm, I get in the ring, be announced to fight, and I see, I see the father going over to the judges and talking to them, right? And so I said, I, I, I don't care what he does, I said, because I'm, I'm gonna blitz this guy, right? All of a sudden, the announcement, this fight has been changed from 10 rounds to four rounds. And I can't jump out, they would have disqualified me, right? So, so I said, I, I said, you know what? I said, he don't understand. I'll kill this guy. Four rounds. I'll let everything hang out for four rounds. I won't even base myself, right? So we go out there, and the guy was rough, tough kid. And I plastered him all and dropped him twice in the last round. I lose a split decision. It's over, right? I get out of the ring. I said, he, he, and the father and him was smiling and laughing. They, they nailed me, right? But that little kid that I brought, that I brought and put him ringside, mm -hmm. And I and I and I get and, and you know and they have no money and I gave him a hundred bucks with that hundred dollars he bought a movie camera and he filmed my fight 
And he goes, Mr. Curto, he says, here's the tape. Go show everybody you really won. I took that tape that was in Boise, Idaho. I drove all the way to New Orleans. I barely had any money for gas, right? I drove all the way to New Orleans. I got to New Orleans, it was dark. I slept in my car and I woke up and it was late. I ran. I ran inside to the thing, and Jose Suleiman was on the thing, just finishing up, and everybody was leave, getting ready to leave. And he goes, oh, Mr. Curto. I said, hi, Mr. Suleiman. He says, I'm sorry about that. He goes, you understand what it means? I said, no, no. I got a tape. If you tell me I lost this fight, I'm going home, and that's it. That's the end of me. I said, but here's the tape. He goes, let's recommit to the tape. They watched the tape. He was livid, angry. He, wanted, he was so mad. He said, that's why boxing is, is what it is. He goes, people do stuff like that. He goes, let me get on the phone to the commission up there. He took away their rights to use the WBC. Uh, that, that's a powerful thing. You know, when you, you're running the fight, if you're backed by the WBC, if you're sponsored by the WBC, you're legit. You know what I mean? That's that's the number one world body. And he says, you got your shot. That fight didn't count. I drove all the way to Lincoln, Nebraska. And I got in just in time. The hotel had all my posters, right? I'm sorry, I said, well, I was starving. I didn't eat for two days, right? I took, the, you know how they have pastries? <laughs> they have a bunch of pastries. I took the pastries in my room. I took the whole thing. I ate the pastries and drank the water. I was only, it was good carbohydrates. <laughs> Anyways, I ate that. We started doing publicity. Then I, then I, uh, then I fight, then I fight the fight. Anyways, when in Miami, many years before, a young girl came to me who was a very good friend of mine, and she says, she says to me, Vin, um, she was a drug addict. She says, I'm pregnant. And I said to her, yeah, God bless, you know. I said, have you decided which, which one of the guys you're gonna blame, right? She says, no, it's yours. I said, oh, really? Right? I said, don't don't ever come to me. I said, you know how many guys you've been with? I said, you know how many people called? There was one guy, he felt so guilty. He was my my friend. He called me up and told me. A good friend of mine, right? She, and she was so embarrassed. Right? She goes, you're never going to see this kid. I said, bye. I'm fighting the Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, I'm coming down the stretch. I get hit with a left hook. Boom. My mouthpiece. So <laughs> goes on the third row. I started to sink, but I'm covering up, and he's pounding away. And I hear my father, get off the fucking ropes. Like my just like, sound just like my father. Anyways, I get off the ropes. I came down, came down the stretch, and I won the title. I'm in the dressing room talking to him. <sighs> That little Cuban boy that the lady told me I'm never gonna see showed up. <laughs> Saw his father won the title. And uh, it was the first time I seen him grown. <laughs> what I missed. I told him, I should have listened to it, huh? I'm a stubborn guy, hot-headed, you know. I should, have, you know. I should have been part of his life. She never called me like she was right. She told me, like, like, and she passed away. She, um, when she was having him, she hemorrhaged, and what they did was they gave her a transfusion. It was tainted with AIDS. She got AIDS, she died, she passed away. And, uh, you know, my part of that kid's life, he has his life. And my, he wanted to see who his father was. He showed up, six foot seven, handsome bastard. I'm saying you can't be my son. <laughs> Big handsome bastard. Anyways. Um, How old was he at that time? Oh. Christ. He was like 
probably 19, I don't know, 19, 20, mm -hmm. maybe eight. You know, one thing about you, Vinny, you like kids. Yeah. Because uh, I like kids like you. You you know what it is to be a kid. Yeah. And it's weird. You have a, I want you to tell Felicia about what you were telling me about the story you wrote. You know, besides Vinny being a boxer, he's written fucking many a script. That I, and like I was telling him when we were sitting there, I go, you know, Vinny, I've been here 15 years. I've read two of your scripts that have been brilliant. I know a thousand writers and nobody can write like you. Thank God you got hit in the head 15 fucking times. <laughs> because that's what most of these writers should do. Take a couple shots to the fucking head. Because Vinny talks like me. We go for the heart. You know, whenever you talk to Vinny, he always goes for your heart. Tell Felicia the Francois script you have oh, going on right it's now. It's Francois, and it's going into production. It's going into production. I'm, I'm training the guy that's playing me. Um, I want to, I, America turned its back on me. I was, I was assigned to fight Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And he wasn't even rated at the time. I was number one in the world. And Is this after Nebraska? No. Or this, this is, is way before. This is way okay. before. Okay. Yeah, way before. 20 years before. Anyways, and I'm, I'm signed to fight him. And I boxed many times in the gym with him. I, and it was a, a big rivalry. And um, these guys came to me, and it was, it was, it was a very, and I told them all to go to hell. And I'm sitting with my then wife, one of the six. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> one of the six wives. And this girl, this girl was Jewish. This this was one of the Jewish girls. And 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 uh, I'm sitting with her, and, she, and and all of a sudden I'm talking to this one other guy, right? And it's so funny. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm, I jumped in my car. I'm getting ready to drive off to the highway and go to the gym, right? And a guy calls me, a friend of mine. He goes, "Hey, Vinny, come up." I said, I got, I, I got problems, buddy. I can't come and talk to you. I got to go to the gym. He goes, I got linguine and clam sauce, right? I said, linguine and clam sauce. I went up there, right? We're talking <laughs> and we're talking and we're talking. All of a sudden, boom! My car blew up. The whole thing blew up. There was a piece of my car on all the rooftops. And so I looked at the car and he goes, he goes, you weren't driving it. He goes, that that wasn't a backfire. He goes, the, the, the whole top of your car is gone. I said, they're serious, those guys. They're real serious. See, it was timed. It was timed to get me on the highway, which wouldn't have hurt too many people, right? But the linguine and clam sauce saved, saved my your life. So, <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so when they came, those guys, what did they want? Well, a couple of guys, they told me, they said, look, you're number one in the world. This kid Hagler is not even rated. What you do is you win, you fight, and uh, you don't you don't do too well. He says, and then you get the rematch, the immediate rematch, and then you do your thing. He said, we met, everybody makes money. I said, I told him go to hell. I said, this fight is going to be this fight's going to be real from the to be, from the beginning to the start. I don't do that kind of things. Anyways, uh, it was you know they were a little persuasive, you know. So I hit the road. I met a friend. I made a friend of the of the the guy that owns all those steakhouses. I think he's passed away since. He liked me. He saw me fight in Las Vegas with Vino Defermo, and he said, "Anytime you you want, come to my ranch." So I flew out to Seattle. You're hiding up there. I'm hiding up there. And, uh, Good place to hide. Yeah. <laughs> I, Joey knows. Yeah, I was up. Uh, yeah, I was up. I was up in the mountains up there. Anyways, I went back. Uh, I went back to fight the fight. I went back to uh, fight the fight, and they said, "The hell with you! You're not getting a fight." And the and the the commissions, all the commissions in the the United States, um, I got a black boy. They, no, they they suspended me, and they took me out of the ratings. The IBF, I mean, what do you call it? The WBA, WBC. They all turned their back on me, and I couldn't make a living. Nobody would use me at the fight, so I left the country and I went to um, Montreal. Oh, because I saw that you had uh, quite a few fights in Quebec and yeah, stuff, yeah. right? And I went to Montreal and, and, and Sinatra, and I'll show you the tape. Sinatra heard I had a problem. And, and uh, he got to meet through this other guy, and I called, and he said to me, um, you meet me, meet me, Big Bob, Big Bob from the mob, I used to call him, right? You meet me in the Caesars, we're doing a show, he says, then I'll send, you, I'll send you somewhere. He says, I'm gonna get you straightened out in the country, right? So I met him at Caesars Palace, 
And uh, I went backstage and Sinatra's telling me, he's looking at me, he's hugging and kissing me and telling me, he goes, look, don't worry. He says, but I can take care of this. He said, I'm going to go to a lot of people. He goes, be careful. He goes, I want you to sit where I want you to sit. And he goes, he goes, he says, he says, I'm going to send you somewhere. You're going to get, he goes, but you have to do well there. And you're going to get reinstated in the United States. So he's, um, he's on stage and he says, and he says this, it's, it's funny. He goes, they're filming this, all the tapes, you know, all the, there's all wires all over the place in Caesar's Palace. He says, and when my six little friends carry me to my resting place, it's going to come out sometime. He says, but salute, right? And, he, and I, everybody toasted, right? Anyways, when I'm writing my stories, you know, the Francois story, because when he sent me to Montreal, he sent me to see a guy up there. And when I got there, the guy wasn't there, and I, nobody was around. And I asked what he was doing. He was, in, he was in the federal pen in Lewisburg. He was in the federal pen, so I, I had to fend for myself. So I went and got a job as a dishwasher. I couldn't speak French. My Italian was not too bad. And I got a, and it's the Italian restaurant, Buffoni's restaurant, I, and, I, and, I, and I got a job as a dishwasher. And this little boy, this guy, the guy that owned the place, had a little boy that loved boxing, and they heard I was a boxer. And uh, we became the best of friends. And this kid was a real courageous kid. And he used to wear this little cap all the time, right? And, it, and, and his name was Joey. But I used to, but I, I said, you look like a French guy. You're up here, you should blend in. I'm gonna call you Francois. It stuck. You know, I know Francois, and everywhere, everywhere I went, this kid showed me how to live. This kid showed me how to fight. Not how to fight, but fight the fight of life. Not the fight, not how to fight. He showed me what life was all about. Here he is, clinging to life, right? The world, and every time he goes to the doctors, they get the bad news. His father sent them all over the world to China. As this picture, you go in his house, this picture on the wall of him with Japanese people, this picture on the house with big Russian people, this picture on the house with Chinese people, this picture on the house with Czechoslovakian people, all over. The father had like 20, 30 restaurants. He was down to one. He bought, you know, he sold them all off. Trying to find the cure for this kid. This kid had leukemia. Leukemia. Okay. And so, and so, uh, one day he got sick. Where I was up there, where a friend he got sick, and and uh, make a long story short, he gets sick, and his father goes, "Well, he says I just found a new place." He says, "And dad, daddy, don't want to be in the restaurant business. Why gonna sell us?" He says, "You're gonna go there to Holland." He says, "And Joey, we're gonna find." He says, "No, Papa, I don't go anymore." He said, you spent all your money. He says, I, I see you suffer. I see my mother suffer. He says, he says, he says, and I have a talk with God, and he take me now. What does a guy say to his little 12-year-old son who just told him, I'm ready to die? He says, I don't go. He says, I, I, speak, I have a talk with God last night. He take me now. I didn't know what to do. So, um, he, he had three wishes. And his first wish was to get his mother and father to be friends again because they were estranged from each other because of all the money that was spent and the problems. And, the, and I, got them to do, I got them to do a picnic. It was the greatest, buddy. You should have seen this picnic. <laughs> well, I stuffed my face up, as I do all the time. <laughs> I could see him glow. I could see he was so happy, you know. And uh, he had three wishes. He wanted his mother and father to, be, to, to get along. And they, that was a beautiful picnic. And he wanted to have a fight. He loved boxing. And he wanted to go to the top of Mount Royal. Mount Royal in Montreal is a big, giant cross. You know, a big giant cross at the top, and all the runners run. It's like three and a half miles up, it's almost four miles uh, to the top. And they kiss the cross, and they all come down. It's like a ritual. One night, he got real sick after he saw me fight. He had that, the other wish. His mother and father at the picnic, he had that wish. And he was, in his, he was on his deathbed when the doctors, they checked his cells, and they told, me, and they told him that uh, he, and this is in the hospital, they said that uh, he, he might not make it through the night. You know, uh, he said it's real. They said it's real bad. So I looked and he looked at me and he smiled. He had a gleam in his eye. You know, and I said, "Well," he, I says uh, to the father and mother, "I says, 
we we missed one thing, you know. I says the Mount Royal. And, here's, and, and the father looked, and the father looked at me. He like knew what I was thinking. Philippe, his name was, and he goes, uh, yeah. He says, what, what, what do you mean? I said, Francois, we didn't go to the top. I said, you ready to go? He said, oh, Vinny, I'd love that, right? I would love that, Vinny. They took the IVs off him. The IVs took him out the side door of the of the house at McGill University Hospital. And and we went out the side door. We drove to the bottom of Mount Royal. It was beautiful. I took him in my arms and I run. I start jogging at the top. And he talked to me. He was talking to me. Told me all these little sweet stories. And when we finally get to the top, and the moonlight was coming through the cross that was like these holes in the in the steel, right? And 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 it was hitting both of us. It was so. And he said to me, Vinny, I never told him about my grandmother. He says, I see your grandmother, she's so beautiful. I says, she was, my, my grandmother was a strikingly beautiful girl, woman, strikingly beautiful. She had long hair down to her ankles when she passed away at 99, something like that. And he says, she's so beautiful. I said to him, I said, wow, I says, uh, I says, I says, uh, she was, Francois, she was so beautiful. And he turned, he turned to hug me when I said, I says, I said, and I said to him, I think I said to him, I said, you're beautiful too. I says, I says, this is a beautiful night. Look, look, look. I said, you got to kiss the cross here. And he turned to hug me. Like I turned and hugged me. And I felt him leave. I felt him leave. He turned that And I screamed on top of my lungs. He made it. He made it. All of Montreal heard me. Right? I walked down, put him in his mother's arms, took him back to us. Last wish, you know. and I told the mother and father because I was, you know, there was there was this big mafioso guy named named Gaetan. I won't say his last name. It's not good for the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> well, that first one's pretty specific. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, anyways, um, he uh, this guy was a stone cold killer. And it was so strange. He always carried. He gone to a place alone. You'd think he was alone, but if somebody wanted to do something, a guy would come from here, and a guy would come from here and take care of his problem. But he would he would single them. But you'd think he was alone. But he was not because he was a creep. He did a horrific thing. He did a he did he he did many heinous acts, crimes. This guy. And he, when, he, when, he, when they were roughing the father up because he didn't pay his juice because he borrowed money for the treatment. And Francois come, came in and he saw the guy and he looks at his father, was a little messed up. He said, who bothered my dad? Who bothered my father? You show me him now. Mr. Man, he said to the guy, he says, little big, he's Mr. Man, you show me who he is. I will take care of him right now. I don't care. You show me, show me. Bring him, I, I fight with him, he, my, my father, right? He goes, hey, Tabarnush. He says, give me two guys like you and I rule the world. And he says, you tell me, show me, please show me. He goes, oh, don't worry, your father's going to be okay. I promise you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Man. He says, but if so, you find him, you let me know. I go, I go there. I go there now. And he looked and he, he, this, this gangster couldn't believe. He knows the kid. He knows the plight. He knows the money that he's borrowing is, is, is for that, for that mm -hmm. purpose. And when he saw the kid that the father was borrowing the money to protect, he lost all his strength. We were going to a restaurant with, the, with, the, with these other guys and they told me something bad was gonna happen. Uh, I, and I, uh, anyways, they says, whatever you do, if gay time comes, stay in your seat. And I, 
started, and when Gaytanga came, he was a friend of my, of me in many ways. I get up uh, when I saw him. I get up and they, they under the table they held my legs. And I was right, right. I didn't bother. Man. And the guy walked in. He goes, he goes Gaytanga. He goes, where? He knew. Gaytanga knew who the guy was. He's, you he know. And he goes, way, And he stood there. The guy pulled out a gun. Boom. Went down. Shot him again. And just walked out. Gate, the other guys came that was with him. You know, he was ready to go. He was ready to die, that guy. And and somehow, some way, that kid right, made him cleanse his soul. Because that guy did some heinous crime. This kid changed the lives of everybody <coughs> he met. Every changed my life. And so is that what the script was about? Yeah. Wow. It was about my meeting Francois and how, you know, you cry because you have no shoes till you see something with no feet. But this kid was the picture of love. He was tortured in school because he had a bald head. Mm-hmm. This is what really got me. Can I tell you this? Real yeah, quick? of course. This is what really got me. There was a kid at school that kept smacking him around, beating him bigger than him. But Francois went back down. He was beat him up. They told me he'd beat him up. He'd go down. He'd get up and fight. Beat him up. Go down. He'd get up and fight. And he keep doing it until the, until the kids got tired and they just walk away and leave him. No, come on, come on, give me more, right? You know, he's got leukemia. They don't even know the kids, right? Anyways, this kid, I said, you know something? I'm going to train you, Francois. I'm going to train you. And so I went and saw this guy. Crow, Mr. Crozy, his name was. That was the teacher's name, Mr. Crozy. And I went and saw it, and I said, I said, sir, I says, he goes, I know what you're coming for. He says, I always grab that kid. He says, but after school, I have no jurisdiction. I can't tell him. He says, what you should do is go to the police. I said, no, no. I said, we're going to hold a boxing match. I want to talk to that kid. But are you are you opposed to that? He goes, not at all. He goes, as long as they're with it. He goes, yeah, yeah. So, so we set it up. So... I worked with Francois, the jab in the face, because he won't know anything. His face, the jab in the face, and dropped the right hand to the body. Jab in the face, right hand to the body, left hook to the chin. Jab, we went over and over and over again. Jab his face, jab his face, keep it there, right, and drop the right hand to the body. Because he's a kid, you know, they don't do exercise for their stomach, they don't, you know what I mean, it's not, and he don't know how to fight. But anyways, I had this kid training. But Francois was weak compared to this kid, because this kid was real thick, and Francois was a little frail, right? Anyways, he introduced him, the bell rings, Francois goes out there, and the guy goes out there, laughs, right, and he swings a punch, and he hits Francois, down Francois goes, right, I jump up in the apron, start, I go rough right in the apron, goes, Vinny, no, 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 wait, okay, referee grabs his hand, wipes him, and the kid laughs, and he's looking at his friends, and he comes running over again, Francois puts a jab in his face, he's trying to get there, drops the right hand to the body, boom, the mouthpiece shot out of his mouth. He fell on the floor of the stomach, rolling all over the place, right? And it's over. Referee calls it. It's over, right? So I jump in the ring. I'm so thrilled, right? What do you think Francois is doing? He's there with the kid's head in his hand, talking to him, you know, rubbing his stomach, right? I says, come here. What are you doing? <laughs> this kid tortured you. I said, well, how could you do that? He said, Vinny, the fight is over. Unbelievable. At the funeral, uh, when Francois passed and I bring him to his mother, um, Gaetan came. You know, everybody. There was a transvestite that I lived with. That I lived with. You know. There was a nasty just roommates, just roommates. Yeah, we were roommates. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, uh, just roommates. Huh? No, no, no. But <laughs> I, mean, no, I don't, I don't want to start a roommate here. <laughs> and he's in the transvestites. <laughs> Who knows where this story is going? Against anything, okay? So, so you were. But, so, but let me, okay, let me yeah. make something clear right here. Okay. My mother and father were gay, um, this is true. My mother and father were gay. They got married to appease normal societal practices. Wow. And, yeah, and they had four children. You know, so 
If anybody thinks I'm gay bashing, that's they a got, lot of appeasing. They, they, <laughs> they got a long way to go with that one. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, so uh, <laughs> anyways, we're gonna get back to that in a minute. But, uh, so, 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 what were we talking about? Uh, the funeral the with Francoise and living uh, with the transvestite. Oh. Yeah, with the, tra- the, the, the transvestite Cologne. Her name was Cologne. His name, right? And he's he, and he's to be dirty and filthy. Francis to come. What is wrong with you? You pour water in the bathtub. You get in, put soap, and wash. You have a problem against that? And she used to go just like this. She gave this like she thought was a sexual snarl, like that, and she smiled, no teeth, rotten, right, right. And he and he says, "What's wrong?" And so and so and, and she used to grab a bra strap. She I don't know. She had like bricks in them or something because they, they were hanging way down in, and she to push the bra strap was. It, was, it wasn't very attractive. It, well, you know, believe me, it wasn't very inviting. It was, it was repulsive, to say the least. You know. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> at the funeral, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, Cologne, we called her name was Cologne. His name was Cologne. Uh, <laughs> very ironic. And, and he came dressed as a man. Clean shave with a nice suit. And he, and he, he made a statement to the casket. He says, Francois, you teach me to... To accept who I am, and to be proud of who I am, and and I realized hiding, hiding in a dress, is not who I am. This is who I am. You teach me very much. He says you teach me a, a great lesson for my life. And he kissed and he kissed the casket, right? And he turned around and he's always calling Mon Pape, my little puppy. Uh-huh. My friends used to get so mad. When she used to say it, he used to say that to her. He goes, and he turned around one last time. He goes, "Mon papa," and he gave, gave the last, you know, uh-huh. the last, and he left. Gaetan came, Gaetan, the, the, the strong the thug, cold yeah. killer, yeah, with two bags. And he, and he looked for the uh, Philippe. He goes, "Wait," he says, it, come here." He says, uh, "That guy there is my friend." He said, teach me a lesson. Teach me a lesson uh, nobody can teach me. He says, um, here's all the juice you pay me over the years. The principal I keep, of course. He says, but here's all the juice I pay. He gave every friggin' penny back. He figured it out. Wrote all the, the interest that the wow. father paid in two bags. He gave it. Right? He said, I don't take money from that guy. That guy's my friend. And then he died later. And he was happy, and he wanted to die. Right. But um, I told the mother and father, I'm not a writer. Back then in 1979, I'm not a writer. I said, but I'm going to write this story. And if you you let me have the honor to write the story. And they said, Francois, she always, she's always telling me all the time, Joey, not Francois, Joey. But she said to me, Francois would love that. He would, she would, he would like nothing more than you do that, man. And so that was a giant compliment from the mother, you know. So I, so I said, okay, and I, and I started putting stuff on paper, and next thing you know, I wrote a couple of drafts, and I ran to this kid who was a director, and he said, this story is amazing. He said, but you need some structure, and you need this, Charlie King Gaines. Charlie King Gaines, I'm giving you a little plug, buddy. He's a director, and he's my writing partner on the script. Uh-huh. And, and uh, showed me structure, Show me how to put it all together, and uh, since then I've written twelve scripts. Wow! Yeah, I got one about comedy you're gonna love. Let me ask you something, because uh, after I met you, we we hung. We used to come to the store, and we cracked jokes on Sunday nights, and Mitzi, and the whole thing. I want you to tell Felicia the Frank Sinatra, Sammy the Bull story when you fought under the Puerto Rican's name or something. That is yeah. one of the most interesting stories. Yeah. Well, I'm hiding out. Um, in in uh, Miami, in Little Cuba, 27th Avenue, and I get a phone call from Sammy the Bull, Gravano, the guy that used to work with uh-huh. uh, Everybody knows me. Rat bastard. I'll say it on the air. Rat bastard. Anyway, um, says you want to you want to come up and do a thing. Jimmy Jimmy D, Jimmy D Piano, who was Mike Rossman's father. Says, yeah, we want to do a thing. Uh, we we want to get this kid Willie Classen a win over a big name. So I said, look, I said, 
I said, I can't use my name. He said, well, just give him a win. He goes, well, we'll give you a name. He said, we got to get him a win. He said, because you owe me the favor. I said, look, I'll do it. Said, so I go up there. I'm, in the, I'm getting announced, right? And I gave the name Rudy Cruz. And they all set it up. And the, the guy, Rudy Cruz, died. He was here, here in California. He died, right? And so nobody's going to look up some Rudy Cruz. There's a main Rudy Cruz if you look at the, the, mm -hmm. the phone book. And the Madison Square Garden announced Jack Granby. He's Jack Granby. Says, uh, looked at the name, looked at me, looked at the name, looked at me. He says, Vinnie Curl. No, now I gotta lose the fight under my name on my record, right? And I looked at him. I said, what? And I looked at everybody. And looked at, you know, what, what can I do, right? So I go out there. The, the first round, I'm catching, I'm catching, I'm catching. He's throwing bombs. This kid could really punch. I mean, really get hard. He's throwing. I'm making a miss, making a miss. I, I clench and people are booing, right? Right? And I, and I go back to the corner and, 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 and three or four rounds go by and they're booing and they're throwing stuff in the ring, right? Believe me. And, I, and they kept telling me, going, what the fuck is wrong? There's no law against fighting. Yeah, that's what you are, a fighter. There's no law against hitting them back. Hit him back. Right? All of a sudden, I come back after the fifth round, right? And they're cheering. But I did, did the same thing in the fifth round, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, what the hell was that? They said, you know it wasn't you. Frank Sinatra just walked in. So, so wow, I, I met him a couple of days. He goes, God, you turned on the fight, you bitch. Anyway, <laughs> Sinatra comes in. Sinatra comes in. He tells this friend of his called this guy named Jilly Rizzo. was a good friend of his. He used to be with him all the time. He says, Jilly, he said, this kid, Curdo, is a marvelous fight. He goes, go check, see what's going on. He goes on. He goes, he comes back. He goes, he's, he's doing a thing for that guy, the bull. He says, uh, he's handcuffed. He goes, go tell him it's off. I'll, I'll take the heat for him. Go tell him myself. They come to the corner. I'm in my corner. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't care. I say it, right? I'm in my corner. And they, and they said, kid, win. Don't worry. But I said, I said, I just gave him five rounds. What are you? All of a sudden, my corner goes, what are you doing? You said, shut up. You don't know what's going on. I shoved the guy in my corner. I go all the sixth round. Boom. In a right. And he goes flying through. the road. I stop beating this guy. All of a sudden, the bull gets up. I'm going to kill you right here, you son of a bitch. Right? I said, why don't they make up their minds? I said it out loud to a couple of guys. I mean, what do you I, I, you know, I didn't know they weren't together. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make up their mind. What the fuck do you want me to do? I come down the stretch, though. I said, down with it. I'm going all the way. I come down the stretch, and I get a draw. I don't lose. So I, I got a draw. And I jump. My, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my, my, my dress room, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to get out real quick. I'm going to knock on the door. And I said, in comes Jilly Rizzo. He says, hey, kid. He goes, that great fight tonight. He says, uh... Well, I talked to you. Uh, Frank wants to talk to you. Yeah, I said, yeah, tell Mr. Sinatra. My, my limo's on the other side of the garden. I got to get the frig out of here, right? Right? And so I got to go out, and this big guy comes in there. Right? Who's all? Oh, this guy is the, is the, the Gabi, the Duty Gabi, uh, I mean, power. I mean, this guy is a whack, I mean, a whack job and a half. And, he, and even when he looks at you, right? One of them guys. You know, it's like it's like you don't see. He he, well, he wants to kill somebody, right? And he goes, "Did you say what?" I said, "Did I say I wasn't going? I'm coming, right?" We go to the place called the Waldorf Astoria, top of the Waldorf Astoria. I opened the they opened these these I remember these doors opened this way, French doors. Walked in, there was a big white grand piano. This Frank Sinatra sitting at the piano. His wife Barbara was there, and Irving Cutler, the drummer. I I think he was a drummer. Yeah. I said, wow. He goes, yeah, it's me. He goes, what are you doing? I said, Frank, you don't know this. He goes, no, I got the I got the five-minute story. He said, but you're going to come with me. He says, we're going to straighten out your problem. So I said, no problem. You know, all right. So we fly to Palm Springs. <laughs> we, fly, we fly to Palm Springs. Frank's not driving. We go to his house. And we're, we're sitting there, and it was, a, it was a Monday night, I think. The following, the following Friday, I think, we were going to Caesar's Palace. He was going to do a show. And so he goes, what kind of hot dogs do we want for you know, Monday Night Football, right? What kind of hot dogs do we want, guys? So they go, go to the corner store. So they went to the corner store and bought a bunch of these hot dogs. They're real expensive, right? Horrible. So Frank Sinatra, this is when I really knew how the other half lives, right? Frank Sinatra says to his pilot, he goes, go to Vegas. Go to the place there and get me the hot dogs we want. He sends his jet to Las Vegas to come back with the hot dogs we wanted for the, for the, for the, uh -huh. the Monday Night Football. I was like a a maniac. I was looking at those hot dogs. I'm saying, you know what? I'm gonna eat like eight of them. They gotta be worth like two thousand a piece, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, 
put the friggin' jet, the friggin' fucking jet fuel, right? And it would have cost them to pay the pilot, right? They gotta be worth plenty of money. It's whatever. I, start, I, I couldn't believe he said the jet fuel must have cost thirty thousand dollars. The jet fuel, his his, his private jet, had a, I couldn't understand how somebody and it hit me. That was another day at his house. Yeah. That was another day of living, you know. Wow, this is how the other half lives. Where did you meet him the first time? He saw me fight Vito Antifermo at the Tropicana Hotel in 1975. Another fight I got rubbed. And that's the pictures you showed me of him? No, 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 that's, that's Caesar's Palace. Okay. Yeah, but this is 1975. I fought Vito Antifermo. I, I came on, my father died the week before, right? And I came on like gangbusters, right? I really, and I, and usually Antifermo was the guy that comes on like the animal, right? I came on and beat him at his own game and, and really closed the show. Really closed the show. I lose a split decision, right? And and it, it, I was so angry after the fight, I got out of the thing and the Sinatra was there and I, I didn't even hardly pay him mind. He said, he goes, he goes, that, he goes, that was horrible, kid. You won that fight. He goes, oh, he goes, if he goes, anybody who knows anything about this stuff, he goes, you won the fight. You know, and it was nice. And we, and we had dinner. We had dinner. There was a bunch, not not personal, but there was a bunch of people. We had dinner. And Frank, he kept coming over. To, and I lost the fight. And Vito was there too. I made good friends with Vito. We had a lot, we had a lot of fun. I, I won't tell that story because that story's not good for the ears for, for your ears either. But uh, me and Vito had a lot of fun after the fight too. But um, and uh, that was and that was it. Then he sent me. You know, when I get, he sent me to Montreal. That's he sent me to meet a guy in Montreal uh, to straighten out my problems that I had here in, in America. He said he'd get me reinstated, but just go to Montreal. He goes and, and uh, fight the fights that they're going to get you, and I'll get you reinstated in the country. Because when the haggle thing happened, I had to get out of town. Anyways, I, I fought seven, eight, ten fights up there. If you look at my record, I had like seven, eight fights, whatever it was. They don't have all of them. It's a little me messed up. Um, and I and I get a phone call in my dressing room after I beat Eddie Mello, this kid that was undefeated, was knocking everything out. Don King just signed them, right? And 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 uh, Don King told him not to take the fight with me. He says, "We'll get you some other fight." And they no, no, we want to fight. We're gonna whack him out. Then we'll go. Anyways, I beat him easy. And uh, we call it. I get a phone call in my dressing room. Jilly, Jilly goes, "Vinny, Vinny, it's Jilly." He goes, well, "Hold on, I got someone wants to talk to you." Frank, he goes, "Vin, Frank." You have just been reinstated. You have just been reinstated in the United States. He says, in your rankings, and you are back in the rankings. They, they, America turned its back on me. Took away my rating. Took away, I couldn't fight in any state. Took away my license to fight. And I couldn't make a living no more. And, I, and Canada opened its arms to me. And I'll never forget that. And they treated me like I was one of their own. You know, I can't forget that. I love my country. I love my country. I love my country. This country is the greatest country in the face of the planet. I love it. But it turned its back on me at that time. No, but uh, I'm still I, here. I have a lot of questions. Um, you know, this podcast is about second chances. I was just going to say that. You know? And uh, what do you think y you have inside of you that that has been has made you be able to move forward from situation to situation because first of all in boxing how many people must have fell off the side mm. that couldn't make transitions when something bad happened what mm. do you think uh, was different about your experience that made you able to keep moving forward when shit went ugly mm. um, you know there's an old saying that says it says uh, run with all your might and don't look back because somebody might be ganging on you. I I sit in my mind and like I said that to go after a title to go after what I set out to do as a kid no matter what my father did to me and my father and mother were very bad to me. You know, it was a horrible I had a horrific childhood I told you. So. I believe we discussed that. No, oh, no, no. we did not. I had a horrific childhood I, and I'm, I I um I was mentally, physically, and sexually abused by my father. 
my mother didn't bother to do anything about it. Uh, and for years, you know, he would come to my fights, take my money, and abuse me. And I finally stopped him. I grabbed him, picked him up, and I threw him in a chair. And it was so funny. All the times he bothered me, and I let him, you know, I was so scared of this monster, this guy, it was my dad. But I threw him in the chair like he was nothing, and I stopped him, and, he, and, I, and, I, and I felt so bad. And, and then I, you know, I realized, I realized what it was that made me be weak. And when he fell in the chair, when I shoved him in the chair and he was weak, I realized what, what it was that made it like that for me not to do anything, called love. And I loved my father with all my heart. And my father wasn't the monster that would come in the night lurking. My father was this big hero. My father wasn't the guy that would beat me in the submission with his drunken friends and do bad things and I'd pass out. He was this guy that was saving me, uh, saving me from all these bad people. And, and, uh, he would, and when I would wake up, he would be there holding me, you know, this was all in my mind. And finally, you know, he used to come to all my fights and we made kind of peace. We made kind of peace on his deathbed. He he was going to the hospital for the last time and we both knew, you know. Uh, and I said, I, he, he was, the, the ambulance drivers were taking him out and he was fumbling with his wallet. And I said, wow, he must be really gone. And he, and he was, I said, what are you doing there, Dad? Give me, took his wallet, and he had, there was an article, laminated article of me boxing with Vito Antifermo. And I said, wow. I said, you had this all this time? I, says, I said, yeah, Pops, I lost that one. You know, I really won, but I lost it. And he goes, grab my hand. And he pulled me real close. He said, you got robbed. And it wasn't that I got robbed in the fight. He was telling me in his way, he made his peace, that I got robbed in life. And I took it exactly the way he meant it. And I made peace with him right then. And he went, I didn't go to the hospital. I don't, and uh, he died that night, 1.15 in the morning. I don't mean to hold you up. No, 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 no. Are you kidding? I've cried. We've laughed. We're going to give you a hug. We're going to cuddle. Your woman's here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. This is awesome. Anyways, um, I'm having, I met this little kid when I was up there, this young kid, punk kid. And I was going around from gym to gym up in Canada. You know a good comic when you see one, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know when you want somebody to open for you, you say, look, I'm a headline. I need somebody strong to open. You go from place to place and you look for, you know, for somebody that's any good. You listen, forget him, forget him, forget him. And the people, they think they're a good suck, you know. But I'm going from gym to gym looking for a trainer. You know, somebody to work with me, I'm going to be up there, right? And I'm seeing all these old guys, had Chavalo, had this guy, had that guy with big names, right? And I see this young kid. It's like He was like 16, whatever he was, 17, right? He's training these kids, and he was like little Angelo Dundee, right? And so the the, 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 the Daniel Cloutier from the Journal of Montreal, Vinia Tabernouche, well, we have to say who's going to train you. This is not right. You you hold that secret. I told him, I said, I have a secret because I didn't have anybody, right? And they said, who's going to train you? I said, that little punk right there. He turned around and looked at me with his mouth wide open. And in French, they said, one of the French wise guys said, and, it, and in French, it's funny. He said, if there was a fly in the room, he would go there. You know, <laughs> it's both of them. Right? Anyways, anyways. Right? And, and they say, what? What are you nuts? I said, this guy is the only guy who knows anything about boxing. I said, he's good, great. I said, the greatest thing he's got, remind me when I was with Angelo Dundee, common sense. Common sense. You know what I mean? And Angelo knows when you wait, and he knows his fight is true and true. Ali would have never been what he was. Ali never. Ali was quitting on the stool with Sunday listening. He's I ain't going out no freaking way. And they're ready to go out right. And Angelo picks him up. The little Angelo picks up. Uh, Muhammad Ali throws him out in the middle of the ring. He gets out there and he puts his hands up. Sunday listen stayed in the corner. 
new heavyweight champ of the world, right? He's in England fighting, but Henry Cooper, this is Connorman. This is why I picked this kid. This is really why I'm telling you a story. This could be. This is the reason why. Ali's out there boxing, talking to the, you know Ali. Ali was talking to the world, making a making a mockery of the guy, and he's beating the guy easy. All of a sudden, the guy weaves under, hits Ali with a left hook, knocks Muhammad Ali dead. When I tell you dead, he was dead. At the bell ring, luckily, Angelo runs over there, picks him up, puts him on the stool. He can't recuperate. It's over. All right. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, referees, uh, what do you call it? Uh, referees, the referee, uh, the bell rings. And Ali's not coming up. The referee comes over. Angelo takes the scissors, sticks it in Ali's glove and rips it. He says, uh, he can't come out. No, he wants, no, we want to fight, but he'll get killed. Your other guy will get killed. Look, the padding, look, he's pulling the padding out. There's a hole in his glove. They stopped it. 15 minutes to get a new set of gloves. Revived himself. He went out and stopped the guy in the next couple of rounds. That's what you call quick thinking. That's what you call that's something extra in the corner. You know, only as a fighter you have to have that something extra, but you have, you got to have it in the corner as well. Everything has to come together on a great night. You understand? Mm -hmm. Everything has to, and that's and that, and that, and that's what this this little guy Russ had. He and that's what today. Since then, he's the king of um, boxing in Montreal and Canada, all of Canada. Russ Amber. He has equipment called Rival Boxing Equipment. It's the best equipment uh, money can buy. Uh, he's had three world champions, like I said. He had three world champions. And he, he goes all over the world. Right now he's working with Sergio Martinez, the middleweight champ of the world. From, uh, was he from Argentina? Sergio Martinez, uh, Russ. And he was, we, he was in Oxnard training when he called me down. I go, he, um, you know, Russ, and Russ, I have to say, gives me the credit, doesn't he, Bob? Gives me the credit everywhere he goes. He goes I, the only re reason why I'm here is because that kid right, that guy right there. He says, he says, he saw something that nobody else saw. He goes, he saw something I didn't even see, but I saw it. Great common sense, quick thinking, uh, knew what to do at the right moment at the right time. You know what I mean? And was a showman. You know what I mean? Scream, yell, make a diversion. You know what I mean? And that's what I needed in the corner, especially with the mellow thing in the corner. I had it. This guy hit me some shots. I wouldn't believe. I mean, this guy could hit this building; and it'll fall apart. How did you meet Angelo Dundee? I I was on I, I was uh, on the Navy boxing team. And what I, year was this? 1971, 72. Wow. Please first explain to people who, because not everyone's a big boxing person. Right. Angelo Dundee is. We have a lot of young and, listeners yeah, too. So. All right, young listeners for anybody that knows anything about boxing or anybody that wants to learn about boxing, uh, you should know about Angelo Dundee. He had like 18 world champions. Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, are two standouts that he had. But he had Willie Pastrano. He's had he's had Common Basilio. He's had so many, so many great, 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 great champions. And and Angelo is a great, great, you know, a great, great fight guy. He he knows boxing through and through. He's a boxing, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he's a boxing scholar. You know, he knows everything about the game. Plus, he's a great, great trainer. He turns he you know Angelo Dundee turned uh, green kids into world champions. And uh, what can I tell you? If you don't know anything about boxing, look up Angelo Dundee. You'll see all the world champions that he had. He was one of the all-time great cornermen, all-time great trainers. What can I say? I mean, uh, how'd you meet him? I met him. Oh, excuse me. In the Navy. That 71. was the point. I was in the Navy. <laughs> I'm in Miami. I'm in Miami. It was so funny. I'm in Miami uh, and um, I'm boxing. And but uh, I, I go to you know I go to Miami. I box. And Angelo Dundee says to me, I fought on the Navy boxing team. And it was just me. He goes, hey, kid, here's my car. You look good in there tonight. He says, look me up when you want to turn pro. So anyways, I go to Miami to turn pro after the Navy. And I'm in the gym, and I'm in the gym training. I see him from different days. I'm in, and I try, every time I try to get in touch, get his attention, he'd leave. And I was sleeping on the beach. You know, everybody says, oh, Miami Beach, don't worry. You can, you can be homeless down there. It's warm all the time. You sleep outside. I froze my binoculars off and uh, on the beach, <laughs> sleeping on the beach. I froze my ass off sleeping on that beach. You know, I was looking for food back at the back of the the, the the famous restaurant they call it, the famous restaurant on, on uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's that uh, that street next to the gym? Oh, anyways, on the street in Miami. Yeah, Miami, uh, Washington Avenue, right? And I'm and I'm uh, the famous restaurant behind it. I went in there. I, I, I went in the. I went in the dumpster because I was looking for some food. I was starving, so I went in the dumpster behind the restaurant because they throw food out there. And I'm looking for food and stuff in there, and and uh, 
Jeez, I said, wow, is it hot in here? Nice and warm, right? I found my new residence, right? I, what do you call it? I, uh, the next, next morning I woke up to a pile of salad, chicken bones and everything hit me. They were throwing the garbage. <laughs> I jumped up and the cube guy, ah! right? But the cube guy, ah! I jumped up and said, I said, he goes, oh, the box is over. Manny, get to us, hey, what are you doing over there, right? I said, buddy, I have, I, you think of problems, right? Anyway, I have problems. And, they, and, um, and, and so I go into the gym, I'm training. Cuban people, that's why I married two of them. It didn't work out, but they're the sweetest. I went back that night to go to sleep. And on top of that, there's a bag. And it's, I can never pronounce my name. Cubans, Cubanos. My, my, my wife, my mother couldn't even say it. My mother. It's Benny. No, Benny, v, Benny, yeah, Benny. Vicente, V, Benny. 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 So one of the one of the Cuban guys, one of the Cuban guys brought on the bag, Benny. So uh -huh. I opened it up, it was cut steak. Uh -huh. You know, you know, some leftovers, but it was cut and trimmed. Uh, and uh, I fight my first main event. And I win, I fight Casey Gasek. And if you look at the record, Casey Gasek, my first main event, 10 round fight, I win. Undefe he was an undefeated kid and I beat him. And I, I walked in the front door of the famous restaurant. I sat down, I ordered food, I ate it, paid, left a tip. And when I was walking out, the whole kitchen cheered. Oh, kids, you clapped, you know. People care. Some people care. I have a big question. If there was a, a, a young man that uh, is training to be a fighter, wh what's the first thing you say to them for advice? Um, the first thing I say advice um, find another a vocation yeah that's my first thing I'd say but if he's but if he's but if he's uh, but if he's uh, really wants it um, my, 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 my advice my advice if he really wants it my advice would be train hard um, do everything right in your life Whatever, you might think it's a little penny anything. Uh, you, you'll steal a penny or a nickel. Don't even do that. Because karma is the son of a gun and the energy in the universe. Right? Do everything you can right because it all works for you. Whenever you do something good and do it with your heart and do it with love, you get love back. And, and, and it's funny how God repaid me a million times over for the hurt and pain I suffered as a child. So uh, all I can tell you, if you really, if you really want to be a fighter, you really want to be a fighter um, you can also and this is a plug for me I, I wrote a book called be a fighter in 10 days uh, you can find it on my website uh, the real the real vinnycurdle.com I'll repeat it the real vinnycurdle.com uh, and you read about you and you I have a I give all kinds of advice in this book plus the training and there's a and there's a, uh, a tape coming um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, a disc uh -huh. coming with with all with everything I'm saying. Me and me and some actor that they'll recognize. I'm not gonna say who it is. Actor that they'll recognize and uh, give him the instruction. He's my fighter. I have the actor being the fighter, and I and I turned them. You want to say I turned the I turned them into a fight. Never couldn't spell the word boxing. Couldn't spell. Didn't know a left jab from a right hand. Didn't know anything. He's now a fighter. I could I could put this guy in with a professional, a four round kid, and he'd fare well. I mean, this guy's an actor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you so much for coming and being so honest and yeah. sharing. Uh, you really are a great storyteller. Thank you for sharing You're those champion, amazing yeah. uh, I'm a, I'm stories. A yeah. I wish we had nine more hours. Yeah. You're going to come back. Uh, uh, well, you know something? It's my pleasure. And Joe Diaz, you know, uh, everybody knows I taught him everything he knows about comedy. <laughs> 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 you know, 
Joe was a little green around the edges. I had to show him how to do comedy. <laughs> Joe's probably one of the best comics I've ever seen in my life. On the spot. Uh, he can write stuff down, but forget about it. He can go on for five hours, and every line is a kill. I mean, he, 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 he uh, there's nothing Joe can't do. If he was, if I were to uh, describe uh, Joe's comedy career to, from me uh, in boxing terms, he's a young Muhammad Ali that stayed young for 50 years. Yes, yeah. I would agree with that. Thank, Thank you, you so much I for... For sharing your wonderful stories, and you know that today has been a big lesson to me oh uh, because of the fact that you, uh, you know, you can walk by people and be around the same circle of people and not see that person for twenty years, and uh, you just never realize what other people go through oh, yeah. and what other people uh, bring to the table. And I, we appreciate that. If you guys enjoyed uh, Vinny today, do us a big favor: go to iTunes and leave us a nice little review or a nice comment about uh, Vinny uh, through the iTunes. Or uh, you can email us at beautyandthebeastpodcast at gmail.com. And now, for a word from our sponsors, as usual, my main men over at tintedvisionart.com. Go over there, go to the Beauty and the Beast section. We got some nice new stuff on there, some great new concert posters. Adam and Eve is only a four-week thing, but keep supporting them. They're a great company. You never know when you need a fucking French tickler or Benoit <laughs> And beside that, we love you, Vinny. We're gonna have you back because I got nineteen. Yeah, we have things. twenty million yeah, different you were questions. Amazing, yeah, I got. I, 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 there's some stories I wanted to tell you, but we didn't have time. We don't have time. One, there was one, there was one story that was a killer. You would have died. I, I love when he a... What about when we're doing a Verizon commercial? He goes, "Hold on, here, talk to Al Pacino on the phone." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. please. And I also have a lot of questions please, about yeah, uh, how you feel about boxing uh, today with the rise of the UFC and how. Uh, and MMA and how boxing is kind of waning a yeah, little yeah, bit. We but uh, uh, we have very many questions. Yeah. Thank you again I love for you coming guys. to share us. Thank you. With us. Stay black. Pretty, you fucking, you hit it out of the park, brother. Oh, oh man, I'm sorry. Are you guys busy Friday, man?